I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, witches. This is Marcel. Before we start this week's episode, I wanted to say a few things about what happened with the last episode. Many of you, hopefully most of you, heard the edited version where Hannah explains that a little bit has been edited out of the original episode. But some of you heard that original audio, and if you did, you heard me make a really shitty remark implying a causal relationship between genitals and gender. I want to address that remark with you because when we say hurtful things, it's important to take responsibility for them. Last week, Hannah took responsibility for it as the editor, and now it's my turn to take responsibility for it as the person who said the shitty thing in the first place. One of our listeners remarked on Twitter that what I said was demonstrative of the way that the attempt to overspecify with gender can often result in being trans-exclusive. This is totally correct. I would also add that what I said betrays some deeply internalized transphobia that I've been unlearning for years. Trans-exclusivity is a vile and violent social norm that weaves its way into supposedly feminist spaces all over the world. It's not something that can be unlearned without work, and for some of us, that means having a lot of humility. I'm really embarrassed by what I said. With some luck, and with some deep breathing, eventually I'll get over myself and my fallibility. Trans people never get a break from transphobia. It's everywhere, it's all the time, and it's everything from microaggressions to full-fledged hate speech and violence. It's being unable to find a place to go to the bathroom to being disowned by your family. It's not a small thing. It's astronomical. Listeners have been telling us for years how much Witch Please means to them as a safe and inclusive space. And in response, Hannah and I have tried to make it as inclusive as possible. We don't always succeed, as you know, but we try, and when we screw up, you tell us, and then we do better next time. This message is in part to make sure that I do better next time. But there's another reason why I wanted to talk about this. 2017 has been a rougher-than-usual year, with a lot of people feeling super on edge about politics, about being good enough, about allyship and what it means, and especially how being an ally means being able to hear it when someone calls you out for a shitty thing that you said, no matter how you meant it. This vulnerability is the part that keeps a lot of us silent. We're afraid of making mistakes, and we're afraid of not being good enough. Sometimes we're angry because no one gives us credit for all the times that we didn't say something shitty. That's not how being an ally works. I'm here to tell you right now that being an ally means you're going to screw up, and it really sucks, but you won't die from shame. And if you're never willing to hear how you can do better, you'll never do better. My therapist once told me that there's an important distinction between accepting yourself and being resigned about who you are. Accepting yourself for who you are is so, so important, and it doesn't mean that you can't learn and grow. You can be a good person who is worthy of love and respect and still have shortcomings. Your shortcomings don't define you. 
unless you let them by refusing to move past them. When I saw that I did a thing that made someone feel bad, I wanted to crawl into a hole and die. But I didn't, and neither will you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being great. Here's our season finale. Hello and welcome to Witch Please, a fortnightly-ish podcast about the Harry Potter world. I'm Hannah McGregor. And I'm Marcel Cosman. You sure are. I am. <laughs> and here we are. It is already somehow the final episode of our second season. Mm-hmm. Um, our second season, notable for many reasons, including the fact that it is about one-tenth the length of our first. You might even say it's our first season. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time we've done a season since the first quote unquote season lasted two years mm-hmm. <laughs> so normally in this introductory segment we talk to each other about what the other person went off and did and recorded but mm-hmm. f- for this particular episode what you're gonna hear is the two of us together having a grand old time just the best um, time <laughs> just a really good time <laughs> so Instead, we're going to use this to chat a little bit about this season and what you can look forward to in the next season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, Hannah, how did you feel about the fact that we have a season format now, um, now that we're at the end of the first one? I feel really unbelievably good about it. And I feel really good about it for three reasons, mm-hmm. which I'm going to itemize now. Reason the first. <laughs> Reason the first. I really like that having the sort of discrete season structure encourages us to think a little bit more about what the episodes are going to be about, Mm -hmm. about some of the other topics that we're interested in getting into. I think that that's really fun. Uh, Reason the second. I am very grateful that after this, I'm not making any more Witch Place episodes (laughs) for a while. But reason the third. To offset reason the second, um, I think this is going to make the podcast a lot more sustainable, and I'm not ready to let it go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, I hope that this doesn't come across uh, as me being a ding dong, but <laughs> I feel a little bit about editing this season finale the way that I felt about writing my last paper for uh, my PhD coursework year where I was like (laughs) I know that this topic is a thing I find really interesting and I know that I chose it because I'm interested in it and I know that I feel really good about writing good papers I don't want to do it (laughs) (laughs) I just want to like leave it to the absolute last possible fucking minute haven't I done enough already why do I have to do this Dear God, you monsters, what more do you want from me? And like, honestly, oh. this is the easiest possible episode that I like could be no facing. Work. I know. You're just going to do this, like the intro and the conclusion, <laughs> and then just like paste in the live episode <laughs> in the middle. Which I don't even have to do anything to. You don't except... even have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as our listeners know, is my style. <laughs> Did you ever, uh, have you listened to any of the episodes I made this season? I listened to at least one. 
But I can't remember now what the episodes were. You tell me what episodes you did, and I'll tell you if I listened to them. Oh, that's a great question. Who even knows? <laughs> God, I listened to an episode about the cursed child with. Uh, I Anna listened James. to that one, and it gave me yeah. a tremendous desire to see the cursed child. I listened to that one. Um, that one was really good. I listened. I made one about um, the. <laughs> one sec. I'm just gonna pull up our website. <laughs> Oh, the studio tour. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I did the one about the studio tour with Rochelle. Yes. I um, listened to that one. Oh, so I didn't listen to the carry on one because it made me too anxious because I didn't like the book and I didn't. Yeah. I had to edit out a lot of you being grumpy. I didn't want to. I didn't want to listen to it. You know what? It's the episode turned out great. I edited the, the sound of fire behind every time that you ranted about how the book made you angry (laughs) and i edited an endless loop of a very cheesy like epic fantasy song behind my like six solid minute plot summary it's you know what it's a fucking masterpiece people love it people people have commented that they really love the episode it was great do you have a favorite episode from this season uh that's a great question what episodes did we do this season we did uh the live theater one with anna james the fogo family one your (gasps) live um talk about uh the rise of white nationalism Mm -hmm. the my studio tour one with rochelle Mm -hmm. um our collabo fan-made musical one with neil oh god um uh your symphony orchestra one and then the melbourne writers <gasps> festival one. Oh, okay so my favorite one that you did is definitely the cursed child one mm-hmm. um that one gave me all kinds of feelings um and then my favorite one that i did is the the music one with mm-hmm. steve because i really had a good time integrating the music into yeah um, into that episode but that's yeah. also the episode that i stayed up until four o'clock in the morning yeah you doing. sure did you put a lot of work into that episode so i also like i also like hate that episode so much <laughs> i hate that episode with every fiber of my being mm. <laughs> but it's mostly because i hate myself not because i hate the episode yeah yeah what about you my favorite episode to record was oh god it's really hard to say whether it was the the cursed child one or the studio tour one those Mm -hmm. ones are like kind of kind of tied in my heart because they were like both part of a very very exciting trip and a really exciting Mm -hmm. opportunity to like talk to some awesome smart women which is like my favorite thing to do yeah um but also, but my favorite episode that you did was for sure the Fogos one. Oh, yeah. Which made me openly weep while sitting on a bus. Yeah. I actually, I, I got. I love Cheryl Fogos so much. <laughs> like that family is just, yeah. they are just the best family. Every Everybody with a family should aim to be that kind of family. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just like love each other. Yeah. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely, that was a very special experience. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so what do you say, Marcel? Shall we shall we consider carrying on this uh this episode in season format? I mean we could, but we could also just go back to recording every two weeks, um, and editing every two weeks, irrespective of all of the busy things happening in our lives and just die. 
we could just die. <laughs> I really have a very, very strong image of, of you just like a skeleton hunched over <laughs> a laptop, finger hovering over the mouse. <laughs> like the image yeah. of a skeleton with big editing headphones on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. A, a headwig t shirt draped loosely over your bones. Yep. I know. <laughs> um, an, em- an empty glass of wine. <laughs> a bottle on the floor. Oh, you are going to one day just become that skeleton from uh, The Last Unicorn, huh? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's my, yeah. that's my, that's my end goal. Uh, if, <laughs> dear, dear listeners, if you're still with us. <laughs> If you've never seen The Last Unicorn, when you do, just know that that skeleton is my skeleton. Mm, is that... I remember. <laughs> when, when you do your first episode of Secret Feminist Agenda, do you want to talk about The Last Unicorn? Oh my god, I do. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, We should watch it and then record an episode about it. Uh, so, what can... What? What? Mm-hmm. Can listeners look forward to next season? Oh, great question. Thanks. Well, Hannah... there is just so much more in the great wide world of harry potter fandom so i think listeners can look forward to us continuing our deep dive into fandom Mm -hmm. and its various iterations both professional and canonical as well as uh non-canonical and Totally out of this world. Totally, totally, totally love totally out of this world. One of yeah. the things I'm really excited to do next season um, is more sort of Fogo style episodes where we talk to interesting fans about what mm-hmm. the the books have meant in their lives. We already have a couple of um, really interesting people lined up who are going to talk to us about um, their own sort of readings and interactions with the texts that. Uh, come from outside our own experiences and so we're going to cast really interesting new light on what harry potter can mean to people yeah oh we also have another um trip on the horizon so there's going to be some more sort Mm -hmm. of site-based episodes we'll talk more about that in the outro Mm -hmm. um so you have that to look forward to as well yeah marcel i have another question for you (laughs) bring it so one of the topics that I know we're interested in looking at more next season is fan-made films. Mm-hmm. Are we also going to talk about fan fiction? No. <gasps> <gasps> we're not. No. 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 And that's, I mean, that's a great question. Um, it's a question that we have been asked by a number of people. Um, both people who write fan fiction as well as people who are avid readers of fan fiction and who love fan fiction. Um, and the reason why we're not going to do that is because um, the thing that is the most time consuming for us to do as part of this podcast is reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also the thing that makes uh, it's also the thing that we do the most for our jobs. Yeah. Um, and it makes it really hard to read for pleasure when your pleasure reading is also work reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, at this point in time, we just have to take a hard line on not reading fan fiction because we, at this point, don't have time in our personal lives uh, yeah. to do more yeah. reading. We just don't. Um, and so that stinks. But 
that does open up opportunities for us to um, invite people to talk to us about fan fiction mm-hmm. themselves who might maybe be um, more experts than we are at reading fan fiction, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. On the topic of the new Witch Please motto, which is just <laughs> just say no to reading. <laughs> Witch Please, just say no to reading. Uh, we also love all of the recommendations for other fantasy books that you think we should do episodes about. Mm. Um, and we're really unlikely mm-hmm. to do that as well for exactly the same reason, which is that we both read professionally and value sort of carving out a portion of our reading for um, pleasure reading. And one of the definitions of pleasure reading is that you're doing it because you want to, not because you feel any sense of obligation to do it, which isn't to say that I will never look at what sounds like an awesome fantasy series that you guys recommend um, Mm -hmm. and go and read that. You know, I, I always appreciate recommendations. The nature of recommendations is that you don't necessarily have to take them. Um, But that does mean that we're really unlikely to do those more of those books as um, as episodes, uh, Mm -hmm. just because the doing episodes sort of turns it from uh, from fun into obligation. Fun obligation. Fun obligation. Yeah. 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 So don't stop sending your recommendations. Um, Just don't just don't feel hurt if we don't make an episode about the thing that you want us to read no but they're really wonderful and I, I know that a lot of people on twitter also really really appreciate getting them so so don't stop sending them totally and, um who knows maybe maybe at some point we'll get to uh to make podcasts as our full-time jobs and then we can then our work reading will be our podcast reading and it will all be perfect that would be out of this world it would be a goddamn delight <laughs> speaking of goddamn delights uh shall we tell people a little bit about what is going to happen in this episode yeah yeah that's a great idea um so we were invited to participate in the melbourne writers festival if you are not familiar with geography (laughs) melbourne is as far away from canada as you can get um yeah, the end. It's very um, far away. It's in Australia. Um, yeah. And so when when we were invited, um, we were not, in fact, invited to fly to Melbourne. Um, Which I mean, we couldn't have done. They didn't tell us we weren't allowed to, but that's not what they yeah. offered. And yeah. that's for the best because it would have been not feasible. Mm-hmm. Instead, they offered to set up a live webcast from Edmonton so that we could Mm -hmm. sort of live stream into the festival. So we got together in Edmonton to do this live video episode. And um, I don't know, we haven't worked out topics around the permissions yet vis-a-vis releasing the video. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're sure as heck releasing the audio. (laughs) Here you go. You're welcome. (laughs) How do you think we know when it starts? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, how do we know when it starts? Yeah, that's a dead giveaway. But there's a huge that's version great. of our own faces on the screen in front of us. <laughs> Hello and welcome, Melbourne, Australia, to the Witch Please live stream. I'm Hannah McGregor. And I'm Marcel Cosman. Uh, <laughs> if this is your first time encountering uh, Witch Please, which is our podcast. Um, we are a fortnightly-ish podcast about the Harry Potter world. 
we used to be fortnightly, that's every two weeks, um, but now we're using a seasons format so we can keep the podcast running as long as possible because we really like talking about Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. um, we should also let you know, uh, again, if this is your first time encountering us, that uh, most of our, well, all of our episodes, our just in general, our podcast has an explicit rating because we use a lot of swear words, uh, but we won't do that today. Today is a 100% family-friendly event. Um, and uh, we will keep it tidy. We're going to be good. Very good. We've never done a live stream before, so this is going to be a bit of an experiment with the magic of technology. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be really intimidating because I can see me on a screen, and it's very distracting. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to chat a little bit with all of you about some of our many Harry Potter top five lists. Mm -hmm. We're going a bit buzzfeedy today. Mm -hmm. um, and in the meantime, we're hoping that you're going to tweet some questions at us. So in the second half, we can do a kind of Q&A thing. Yeah. So this is our hashtag here. Um, you, can, uh, you can ask us anything you want about the Harry Potter world or about podcasting uh, or, uh, you know what? Yeah, let's just keep it to those two things. But, but emphasis on the Harry Potter. Um, ask us anything you want, and please use the use the hashtag #WhichPleaseMWF. Uh, the screen that I have in front of me, it's a mirror image. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not a mirror image for you. Um, but just yeah, just use that hashtag so that we can we can find your tweets, uh, and we will answer your questions uh, as 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 best we can. Fantastic. All right, let's get started. Um, I'm going to ask you, Marcel, for your first top five list. What's it going to be? I have a top five list of spells from the Harry Potter world that I need in real life. Um, the first one is Accio, uh, but because I'm not a Latin speaker, I don't know for sure if that's how it's pronounced. May or may not be Axio. Axio that is sounds like it's I've a spell seen. for yeah. um, male body spray. Oh, yes. Axio is when you want to smell good before going on a date, but you don't actually end up smelling good. Um, and so Accio or Axio is the first one that is so that I can find the things that I've lost. Uh, I would like Scourgeify to clean things because I'm always spilling food on myself. Mm -hmm. And I, you have a young child. And I have so a young child who is always just, just blatantly smearing me with things. Just that baby hippogriff really likes to just take a banana and just, just, just smear it. So cute. It's really, you can also ask me questions about my child. Um, both <laughs> Hannah and I would be glad to answer questions about how yeah. cute this child is. Uh, and I would like to have the spell Aguamenti because I'm often very thirsty and I would like to make water happen whenever. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, Alohomora uh, to get in to, to unlock things. Um, and then the one that I'm most excited about <laughs> and I can't wait until I have it in real life, uh, is incendio, so I can set things on fire. <laughs> Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes you just need to burn something down. Exactly. Um, can I ask you a real quick question before we move on to my first list? Mm -hmm. um, if there is a spell in the wizarding world that lets you just like bring water, mm -hmm. why have they not solved the water shortage crises in the world? In like the world in general? Yeah. I think it's because it's a muggle crisis. Yeah, okay, fair. That's not their problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wizards are not known for their like fondness for muggles. Okay. <laughs> that's my guess. That's, that's just my guess. Just let them um, stay thirsty. What about, what about you, Hannah? Mm -hmm. What is your first top five? Mm -hmm. 
My first top five is my top five favorite fan theories. Mm. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with fan theories. Now, um, I'm, I'm limiting this to um, theories that are on the wacky side because legitimate fan theories are actually just critical interpretations and those are great but not funny. Mm-hmm. So, number five, I'm ready. Dumbledore chooses his defense against the dark arts teachers primarily in order to troll Snape. Whoa, rude. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I like that. Right? He chooses Lockhart clearly as a joke. Mm -hmm. And then he chooses a literal werewolf. (laughs) Like, oh, you you want that job to teach students to defend themselves? I'm gonna hire a literal werewolf to do it instead. Who is uh who is best friends with your arch nemesis? (laughs) Also, Voldemort once. Too bad, Snake. Uh, Spoiler. (laughs) Sorry. There's going to be a lot of spoilers. (laughs) I hope you've all read Harry Potter. I trust you've all read Harry Potter. It's a great series of books. Um, Number four, this is a countdown. All of my top fives are countdowns. Mm -hmm. Number four, um, Harry is actually a horcrux. Mm -hmm. And that, sorry, that's the spoileriest spoiler of all. Uh, And that is why the Dursleys are so mean to him. Oh, because he just he just causes people to be right? mean, right? And remember, nasty. remember how mean Ron was um, mm-hmm. when he was like wearing the locket. So that's mm-hmm. just like eleven years or ten, ten mm-hmm. years of that. Mm-hmm. Dursleys couldn't help themselves. It's just the mad, the bad magic yeah. made them do it. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Number three. Mm-hmm. This one's a particularly cunning one. Dumbledore is deaf. Okay, bear with me. Deaf or Death, D-E-A-T-H, death. And specifically, death as appears in the story, um, uh, in the tale of Beetle the Bard, the story of the three brothers. So in the story of the three brothers, we have death appearing and giving these three magical objects out. The three Mm -hmm. magical objects are the invisibility cloak, the resurrection stone, and the elder wand, who has all three of those objects and gives them out in the series. Dumbledore. It's a good theory. Just saying. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's airtight. Don't poke <laughs> it. Do not poke any holes in these theories. I'm not interested in hearing it. Theory number two. I'm ready. Malfoy is a werewolf. It's a great theory. Okay. I love this one because it relies on close reading. So at the beginning of book six, Delph Malfoy, Delphoy, Delphoy. That's a new one. It's a new one. Uh Malfoy goes to Bergen and Borks. Bergen and Borks. Borgen and Borks. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, a store. And Forgan and Burks. Forgan and Burks. And shows the shopkeep something on his arm that scares him and then says that his family is close personal friends with Fenrir Greyback. We are led to believe that it's the dark mark because that's what Harry assumes it is. Mm-hmm. But nobody in the book ever actually sees Malfoy's dark mark. And so it could just as easily be a werewolf fight. He specifically mentions Fenrir Greyback. It all adds up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Refuse. Oh, oh, there's one other thing that it explains really effectively. It's a really good reason why Narcissa Malfoy would turn on Voldemort in the end. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. She has nothing to lose unless her son is a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love, gotta love fan theory. Okay. Mm-hmm. And fan theory number one, <clears throat> Rumbledore. I love Rumbledore. A.K.A. Dumbledore is a time-traveling Ron Weasley comeback from the future. 
future. The evidence for that is almost exclusively the fact that they both have long noses and like candy. <laughs> also, one time Dumbledore is asked what uh, he wants for Christmas, and he says a pair of warm socks, and that's what Ron always gets from his mother for Christmas. Broke, broke your GD heart, didn't I? That's so sweet. Top five fan theories. Oh my Here's goodness, go. that's beautiful. I like those. Uh, my next top five mm -hmm. is a list of foods and drinks right. from the Harry Potter universe that I would like to have in real life. Number one, I think we can all agree, butterbeer. Mm. Okay. Butterbeer sounds great. I know that some people have had the luxury of having butterbeer. I have not. I have not. I, I, here's my question. I have a lot of questions. Uh, IRL, wait, not IRL, in the books. Mm -hmm. If the books were real, the books are real. Mm -hmm. So in the real world of the books. Okay, I'm with you. You with me? Yeah. Uh, is butterbeer vegan? Or does oh, no. it contain butter? It's like, it's. I think it's cream soda, but a wizard version of cream soda. Okay. But I don't think it's vegan. Cream soda is vegan. The, it doesn't the, have real cream. The You know, like the pink soda pop yeah. version of cream soda is vegan. There's another version of cream soda? Yeah, that's where cream soda comes from. I'm so confused. <laughs> okay, butterbeer. Keep going. Butterbeer. But I bet that you could make it vegan. Yeah, how? I okay, I, mean, um, I need somebody to use the hashtag witchpleasemwf to give me a quick vegan butterbeer recipe. <laughs> Keep going, Marcel. You know, I have had a... <laughs> I made uh, I made a butterbeer once mm -hmm. um, by taking. Are Werther's originals vegan? No. Okay. Well, then never mind. Anyway, well, I, could you please finish telling us real quick what you did with Werther's originals? You take a beer, preferably a cream ale, which I can't have because uh, I can't have gluten. But um, you take a beer, uh, preferably a cream ale, and you put a Werther's original in the in your glass. Uh, and then you put uh, a little bit of butter ripple schnapps. I don't know if you have that in Australia. I don't know if they have Werther's originals. Um, we don't know anything about Australia. A butterscotch candy, and then some kind of butterscotch schnapps, and then um, it's a it's a it's a tasty treat. Anyway, <laughs> that's number one. <laughs> number two, mm -hmm. and bear with me, chocolate. I know we have chocolate. <laughs> But I would like to have the kind of chocolate that Lupin has that will make me feel better after a Dementor attack. Um, I mean, chocolate does make me feel better after a Dementor attack anyway. Well, maybe you should tell me what brand of chocolate you're eating. Great. Okay. Okay. I've got to say, as a, you know what? No, I'm going to save this thought for when you're done your beautiful list. Keep okay. going. Uh, that was number two. Number three, um, the thing that is known as pumpkin pasties, Ooh. Uh, which I imagine to be a savory vegan alternative to meat pies. You know what? I always assumed that it was a pumpkin spice flavored homemade Pop-Tart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a meat pie, except it's filled with pumpkin and maybe curry. I bet it's delicious. That sounds really good. Uh, and then... Number one is uh, Ogden's Old Fire Whiskey. <laughs> I'm curious. I, I would like to know if it would make me breathe fire. I think it would. I think that's the magic. You, I'm sensing a theme in your top five list. <laughs> theme in my life. <laughs> okay. So here's, I have a question for you quick okay. before we go on to the next one, which is, um, why do you think that uh, delicious treats have such an important status in the Harry Potter book? 
you know, I think food and drinks in general in the Harry Potter books are super important. And part of that is because uh, Harry was deprived so much when he was living with the Dursleys that, you know, we all know that that if it's not part of Harry's journey, we don't learn about it. Um, and so for Harry, the food and the drinks in the wizarding, in the wizarding world are, are just that extra special layer of what makes that world his home mm -hmm. as opposed to the the life of deprivation that he experienced before he found out that he was a wizard harry oh he's a wizard harry he's a wizard harry. you're a wizard harry that's, that's my answer that's a good answer Thanks. thank you how about okay how about next, next? what you got? next top five worst characters <laughs> okay i'm gonna start it's the tie number five can i ask you a quick question before you oh, start you sure can how are you interpreting worst? What would, does worst mean to you? Would like them to be not in the book. Ooh, good, good, yeah. okay. Would okay. rather, so I'm not gonna include people like Voldemort, who's obviously like <laughs> very bad, but- <laughs> The objective worst. <laughs> like quite bad, yeah. but it would be difficult to move the plot forward without him. Yes, Yeah. good. So people good. who I would just rather we just, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, number five is a tie between Justin Finn Fletchley and Ernie McMillan. <laughs> you know, those are very good. Good. Yeah. I 100% yeah. back um, those. Back those fan. Do you remember that scene in Dueling Club where the snake sort of goes, it just sort of goes, and then Harry tries to tell it to stop, and then it almost eats Justin Finn Fletchley, and then Ernie McMillan is like, you made that snake eat my friend almost. <laughs> They're both terrible. Yeah. yeah. Tag team. Okay, good. Number four. I'm ready. Scabbers. <gasps> okay, bear with me here. <laughs> okay. Wormtail is fine. Yeah. It's really gross that he spends three years sleeping in Ron's bed. <laughs> I don't like it. I do not like. I don't like that his name is Scabbers. Mm -mm. I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. Even more years if you count the years he spent with Percy. <sighs> Gross. Mm -hmm. It's gross. I don't like it. Yeah. Get rid of it. It's terrible. All right. Very Number good. three. Mm -hmm. Cornelius Fudge. Oh, terrible. Just the word. Might actually be the biggest villain of the books mm -hmm. in some ways, right? Like more than any of the actual villains. Um, he's just this like figure of like cowardice and the desire to live in ignorance. And like he just, you know, he's probably going towards the plot in the most important ways, but mm -hmm. I'm just like profoundly not interested. Um, in Fudge and his like, I have a great idea. I'm going to like continue my own political power by gaslighting a child for a year and turning the entire media against him. So yeah, done with you, Fudge. Okay. Um, I yeah, you're right. Yeah, you yeah. are 100 correct. Yeah. Number two, mm -hmm. Aragog. Mm. Don't like him, big spider. Mm. Not a fan. Mm -mm. Not a fan. Mm -mm. Big spider eats children. Mm -hmm. Physical manifestation of Hagrid's propensity to make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, don't like that. But, but, what? The source of my favorite. Oh, my that's favorite. A really meme when not Harry, meme. when Harry does yeah. this. Yeah, when he does this. You know what? I take it back. We so didn't have air bugs. Harry would never do this. So now it's a top four list. Number okay. one? Number one. Snape. Really? Forget that guy. Ooh. Not interested. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> Tell me more. Come at me, beloved people of Melbourne, Australia. Um, <laughs> I don't, I do not, I, 
I've gone on the record for this before, but I think the um, sort of Snape is a tragic romantic figure is uh, that whole thing where people like get tattoos that say like, still question mark, always, period. Mm. Um, I think that it really romanticizes Snape's obsession with Lily. And that was an obsession where like Lily had pretty clearly drawn some boundaries and said mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm not interested in further in our relationship. And mm -hmm. mostly that's because of the way that you um, abuse and harass other people who like me are not pure blood, mm -hmm. who, are, who are muggle born. And Snape not only doesn't change his behavior because he continues to be really horrible to um, non-Slytherin kids in his own classes, mm -hmm. um, but he also like refuses to respect Lily's ability to say no to him by continuing to be obsessed with her and to use that obsession as an excuse to be real mean to her kid. I agree. <laughs> I know. I know well people done. love him. I know people love him. But really, you should save your love love for Lupin. Mm -hmm. He he earns it. Yeah. By being tender and gentle and kind. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Snape of the Cursed Child production that you saw? Because you had mentioned that that one, that that Snape made you I did like the Snape of the Cursed Child. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I like Snape and the Cursed Child. Um, I don't want to spoil the Cursed Child for people who might be planning on seeing it. Um, so I will just say that the Snape we see in the Cursed Child may have kind of changed my mind a little bit, but um, I don't like the Snape in the books. I obviously love Alan Rickman, so the Snape in the movies can stay. Yeah. Um, but book Snape? No. Great. No. Replace him with a woman, please. That's great. Wonderful. Marcel, next list. So as I mentioned already, we only really know things that are part of Harry's journey. Um, and this is a sort of, not joke, but a sort of gesture back to when JK Rowling revealed that Dumbledore is a queer character and that it never came up in the books because it wasn't relevant to Harry's journey. This has sparked a kind of, for lack of a better word, meme of people applying um, and, and challenging that with other things that Harry never noticed because, or that were never mentioned explicitly in the books because they weren't relevant to Harry's journey. So I'm going to start by saying that two of these are mine. The first one that I say and the last one that I say, well, not mine. I mean, they're, they're, they're the books. They're, they're the books. Yeah, you um, made them up but I, off the old dumb piece. I mean, one of them comes from our conversations on, on which place. So I'll start with that one. I can't claim full responsibility for this one, but uh, the first one uh, is that Remus Lupin is in love with Sirius Black. Um, Harry never notices this and just takes for granted that he and Tonks are in love and that they get married and have a child together because they're in love. But I question this. I think that Lupin was in love with Sirius. And like, it makes sense. Anyway. Uh, I mean, the scene, the reuni reunion scene in the Shrieking Track. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I know. Beautiful and tender scene. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. It's a tragedy. Uh, the next one to the next three come from Tumblr. Um, so uh, number two, Sirius Black was an amateur yodeler. <laughs> it's never mentioned because it wasn't relevant to Harry's journey. I just feel like that would have been really relevant to Harry's journey, though. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. I reordered these. I'm sorry. Okay, this next one is also mine. Um, this is a born of my own 
tender wit. <laughs> Snape is celiac, but refuses to follow a strict gluten-free diet, and that's why he's so pale. It's his iron deficiency. <laughs> but like, also to Snape's credit, it's probably really hard to be gluten-free at Hogwarts because everything is bread. Everything is bread, and also... I feel like considering the difficulty that Harry has communicating his desires to Dobby, it may be difficult to express dietary concerns with the elves. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh my gosh. Whew. Do you think that there's a peanut ban at Hogwarts? A peanut ban. Well, no, remember how J.K. Rowling says that wizards don't have mundane magical or mundane maladies or anyway. Please let me get that face I have for that claim. So there's probably a student uprising, a bunch of students who are allergic to peanuts who are like, you have to stop, you have to stop making things with peanuts. Uh, but it's not relevant to Harry's journey. Okay, so we never so get we to don't see get it. to see okay. it. All right. Um okay. I really like this one, but it's not the best one. <laughs> this is the second best one. Okay. Dumb Dumbledore is rollerblading in every scene. He hasn't walked for 30 years. It was never mentioned because it's not relevant to Harry's journey. He's <laughs> <laughs> just he's just rollerblading. How did he get up the spiral staircase to his office? He's a wizard. <laughs> He's a wizard. That's a really good point. <laughs> okay. okay. And then this is uh, number five, my favorite. <clears throat> Professor McGonagall's cat form is actually a big fursuit. Whenever she transforms, she has to physically get into and out of the fursuit. It was never mentioned because it's not relevant to Harry's journey. <laughs> Just a second. Just gotta. <laughs> this should always be a video. Like we should always do this as a video because then we could do more physical tags. Um, we have a, a segment on the original season of the podcast called um, "The Boy Who Narrated," which mm -hmm. is named after you know the boy who lived. And um, one of the, the basic premises of "The Boy Who Narrated," for those who haven't listened before, is that. The entire book series is narrated from Harry's perspective, so we miss a lot of stuff that Harry doesn't reference, but there's there's always this assumption that if Harry leaves it out, it probably isn't important. Um, but I think I think that list really just proves that. I mean, McGonagall's big fursuit is <laughs> so super important. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay. So We've got time for one last list, and yep. then we're going to head over to the hashtag because we see some populating as it goes mm -hmm. through the magic of mm -hmm. technology, which is the opposite of magic. Mm -hmm. um, okay, these are, this is in honor of our favorite regular podcast sec uh, segment. segment. Section? Segment. Granger Danger. 
Wait, there's a sound effect. There's a sound effect. There. There's a lightning um, bolt. This is my top five Hermione moments. Now, okay. here's a really important thing. Um, four of these five moments never happen in the books. Uh, these, because so much of what's going on with Hermione doesn't make it into the books because it isn't a part of Harry's journey. It's not relevant. So we don't get to see it. But this is all stuff that, like, the books very clearly, and it's almost all it's almost all stuff that happens in the summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one. I'm ready. Wait, number five. That's how countdowns you, work. You count down the other. Can't, yeah, you count, count down, down properly. Yeah, <laughs> you know how to count down. Uh, the summer that Hermione spent buying herself a fun beaded handbag, casting an undetectable expansion charm on it, and then carefully packing a camping trip worth of supplies. Mm. right all of that time like we get the reveal where Hermione's like no worries the stylish handbag that I have has an entire tent and also food and also a small library but like when I picture Hermione like out at a shop choosing which fun beaded handbag is going to be the one she packs everything in and then making a very careful itemized list of camping supplies Mm -hmm. going through her library deciding what book like there's all Mm -hmm. of this backstory of Hermione like putting together putting together that collection and it's classic Hermione it's stylish um magically powerful and also practical I love Hermione a lot she knew she was maybe never going to see her parents again when she bought that handbag I'm gonna just slide just sit here with my face on the desk until we're done if you've never listened to which please there's also a lot of crying we get a little emotional we're not crying today though there's no, no. crying in live streams no that would be unflattering um Number four. Number four. The summer before arriving at Hogwarts for the first time, sitting in her bedroom reading Hogwarts a history so that she'll know her way around the school, but she arrives and she won't feel like an outsider even though she's a muggle. I'll make you cry if it's lift, aren't I? Yeah. Oh, five. Uh, number three. Picture this. It's the summer between second and third year. In second year, Hermione accidentally turned herself Hello. Is everything okay? Yeah, just checking the camera. Okay. Love it. I mean, we look amazing. Uh, in second year, Hermione accidentally turned herself into a cat when the Polyjuice potion went right. wrong. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of third year, she turns up with, what's that? A pet cat. Mm-hmm. You know what happened in the what summer happened? in between? Hermione kept, couldn't stop thinking about how silky and lustrous her own coat was. <laughs> Was thinking about how nice it was to just pet herself when she was a kitty and she was like gosh I wish I had a kitty and then she gets a kitty and then she gets a kitty number two a note mm-hmm. these have all been summer moments and that is because summers are when Hermione has the time to get stuff done without distraction instead of cleaning up after Ron and Harry mm-hmm. and so, studying and studying yes she's busy summer is when she does her extracurriculars mm-hmm. okay so number two is obviously at some point um she contacted professor mcconagall and said could i please use some entirely forbidden magic so that i can take two students worth of course loads at the same time and i really like to picture hermione sitting down and writing that letter and sending it to professor mcconagall at home at home at home yeah obviously at home it happened over the summer mcconagall's not at school yet i thought that they lived in their offices they don't live in their offices you're an adult now you know that teachers have homes Okay. Number one. Number one. That time she punches Draco. That's a good one. Always punch Nazis. That's it. 
Wonderful. Okay. Okay. Well, how's everyone doing? You can't respond to us or do anything to tell us how it's going. So we're going to assume <laughs> they can tweet at us. Going great. Yeah, will you tweet at us and tell us if we if anything is going tragically wrong? Oh, there are pictures. Look at us. We're so cute. We are very cute. Oh, my lipstick was amazing. Oh, thanks to all of you who say that we look great too. That's really nice of you. That's so lovely. Um, Okay, some questions. All right. This one from, well, sorry, sorry. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep, you're ready. These are just, okay. Uh, yes, this one is from Megan Smog, um, who says, uh, which Harry Potter character has, in your opinion, changed the most over the course of the podcast? Oh, no. Has our opinion on changed oh. the most over the course of the podcast? That's more important. Uh, for me, I would say Snape. Um, because I definitely started out thinking, I definitely started out going with the trend of he's a tragic figure, even though I didn't, even though I don't think my heart was in it. Um, hey, oh, there you go. We saw you for a second. And we it could was see awesome. you for a moment. It was so exciting. There you are. Hello. Hey. You just showed up on our screen. It was really thrilling. Hey. Hello. <laughs> Um, yeah, so for me, it would be Snape. I definitely, I definitely, by the end of the books, decided that, no, he just, he just stinks through and through. <laughs> great. Yeah, great. Fantastic. How about you? Um, I think Ron. Ron. Yeah, I think I was an anti-Ron person mm -hmm. um, the first time through when I read the books. I think I didn't really see his point. Um, but a lot of our lovely listeners are really, really sort of in camp ron and have mm -hmm. defended him very strongly and all mm -hmm. the things he represents like loyalty and and his sort of ongoing friendship to harry no matter how hard things get mm -hmm. um and uh i think i've come around to seeing ron as a as a character who has a lot to offer <laughs> he grows he grows oops sorry okay um i'm also just seeing this tweet that asked us to uh lean closer to the microphone so we'll do that um i'm sorry that we didn't do that before uh, let's see. Can you move the microphone or will it explode? I don't want to touch it. Oh I'm God, afraid okay. it will hurt their ears. How about we just talk louder? Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. This question comes from Jess Jane, who asks, what exactly is the political structure of the wizarding, I'm assuming wizarding world, uh, you, uh, Jess, Jessica thinks it's an oligarch, an oligarchy, uh, but what do we think? Uh, that's a really interesting question. I chose it before <laughs> realizing you had to answer it. Um, I don't know if I would call it an oligarchy. Um, I think the implication is that it is, um, to some degree, a democracy because Fudge is called a, um, Minister. A minister, yeah. right? So the implication there, at least, seems to me that he's being voted in. Um, you know, maybe we don't have multiple other representative ministers, but the Wizarding World is comparatively pretty small. But we never see anyone vote, and we never see anyone talk about voting. The only time we hear people talking about, like, being chosen is through the... Um, Wizarding Gamut. The Wizarding Gamut, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bear with me. Okay. This is coming to me right now. What if it's a theocracy or Whoa. a theocratic type state or, you know, part of a part of whatever. Um, uh, but where magic is magic functions in place of religion. And so the people who are more magical and more powerful 
in that magical community tend to get those positions of power, but fudge isn't, we fudge don't isn't know anything. Yeah. Maybe it's a combined democracy and theocracy. We've mm -hmm. got a sort of like the wizen gamut, which is mm -hmm. like a group of people who sort of um, uh, advise, mm -hmm. and then we've got an elected official. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the only, the only thing that would suggest that there's a lack of elections. I mean, Harry never mentions them, but irrelevant to his journey. <laughs> um, so it's totally possible there's elections and we never get to see him turn 18 so we can't vote. Maybe they vote at 17 because they come of age at 17, but Not maybe again. they don't. But by that point, the ministry has already fallen and so there are probably no free and fair elections. Okay. Good All right. Point. All right. Let's keep going. Uh, it's nice to see your, your tweets about how you like the things we say. <laughs> how about the, oh, wait, wait. the same question? Um, is it? Oops. Oh my God, I love this one. Okay, what is it? Jess O'Callaghan. Hi, Jess. Um, says, uh, we all know about James Potter's mates. If you had to invent three mm. women friends for Lily Evans, what would they be like? Oh, this is such a good question. A really good question. Um, Ooh, okay. okay, number one, mm -hmm. I want Lily to have a friend who is um, like specifically better at Quidditch than James. Mm -hmm. And whenever James is getting really showy about like how cool he is, Lily's like awesome friend Gertrude comes along and is like, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. Not even impressed. Mm -hmm. Not even impressed. Way better at Quidditch than mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, do you think that in Lily's friend group, she is the studious one, or do you think she has an even more studious type friend, like a Hermione figure friend, who is always helping her with her homework because she's off doing awesome stuff yeah. and doesn't have time yeah. to, I think, to do the homework? I think Lily's kind of the daredevil. Like, I think she's the one who sort of that like is a little bit, a little bit risk taking, mm -hmm. a little bit, um, a little bit more edgy. So maybe she has that friend who's like really diligent and like a little bit nervous sometimes about the things that Lily wants to do. Mm -hmm. Lily sort of pushes this friend out of her comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would also really like Lily to have another muggle-born friend. I would really like for Lily to not be the only muggle-born person in her little tight knit community of people so that she has a pal who 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 gets her experience. I want to I'm picturing right now Lily's the final member of this group is another Muggleborn friend who is like a huge um gaming nerd and like tries to sneak an Xbox into Hogwarts and is like always playing first person shooters <laughs> when she's supposed to be studying magic. She's like why do I need magic? I have the magic of video games. Okay, we've got a few minutes left. We're gonna yeah. uh, try to do a couple more. Uh, list, this this person uh, named, uh, I'm guessing, I wonder if it's pronounced Heba um, or Heba, uh, and the hashtag is Hibse, wants to know, why is Hermione's sacrifice erasing herself from her parents' memories not, give, not given greater weight in the books? And I'm just gonna get out of the way the it's not relevant to Harry's journey <laughs> joke because because I can, so I'm just yeah. gonna get that out of the way. Um, and I am going to imagine that maybe it's because um, since Harry's 
since Harry doesn't have a close relationship with his parents, um, sorry, with, with the Dursleys, and because his parents, his biological parents are dead and he is just always sort of grappling with that, my guess is that he doesn't understand what would be what would be difficult about that in mm. say maybe the way that Ron does, right? I imagine that maybe Ron and, and Hermione bond over that. Um, I know. Yeah. 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 There's also That's something really powerful about um, like the really quiet heroism of that, right? That like a lot of the time Hermione's heroism isn't like larger than life in the same kinds of ways that Harry's is. Mm -hmm. Like Hermione does these things that are like often kind of selfless, you know, in a way that's that's pretty gendered. Um, mm -hmm. But but that's a really that's an act where she's she's doing something to keep her parents safe. Um, and mm -hmm. it's not you know it's not a showy act. She's not going to get a lot of public acclaim for that. But it's really brave. Yeah yeah yeah. That's a great question. My heart breaks. Um, I know it's so sad. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. This is from oh, Rach G. That's Rach G. A four two three five five eight zero. Is that just your phone number? Uh, anyway, um, asking if one character could have a spin-off book all about them, who would it be, and what would happen? Um, okay, okay. I know that. I know that. I and I can't remember how we decided that her name is pronounced, but uh, Merope, Um Anyway, Voldemort's mother. It's just this character who haunts me to my core because we don't know nearly enough about her and I'm so fascinated and I know that I it is it is 100% not acceptable to drug somebody and engage in intimate activity with them. It is never acceptable. So I'm not asking for a story that explains or apologizes for that, but I want to know her history. I want to know what happens in her life. I want to know more details. We have some hints, but I'm really, I'm just, I remain so, so troubled by the fact that we don't know enough about her. And I, yeah. I would love a spinoff book about, about her. Yeah. What's the name of the, um, uh, care of magical creatures teacher who takes over when Hagrid's gone? Professor Grubbly Plank. Her. <laughs> I just, I just really love, um, the teachers who we get almost like Madam Hooch. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to know, these are like, interesting competent adults who are like teaching sometimes but a lot mm -hmm. of the other time are probably doing something like really really dope and awesome mm -hmm. and like are obviously super good at magic and um if neville is the kind of person who becomes the next generation of teacher i would like to know the backstories of the people who are this generation of teacher yeah. um beyond just dumbledore like yeah i'm excited for some dumbledore backstory of totally. course but like Give me, give me some grubbly play. Yeah, we we have talked on the podcast before about how awesome it would be for an HBO miniseries type program just called Hogwarts. Mm. That's just about the professors and their lives. And they're probably super fascinating and intriguing and complicated and messy and hopefully very sexy lives. That's um, what we, we want the, the gritty <laughs> Harry Potter reboot that everyone's been waiting for. Exactly. And, and you know, if some of the episodes take place during our main character's arc, that those would kind of happen in the background, but they wouldn't be central to the to the story. 
that would be really cool. Somebody just pointed out on Twitter, this is Alice on the March, just said Professor Grumbly Plank and Madame Hooch were totally a couple. We agree. Yes. Yes, they were. Correct. Yes, they Excellent. were. Excellent. A plus interpretation. <laughs> um, all right. I think, do we have one more? Uh, ba, ba, ba. Oh, yes. Yes, we Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, this last, okay, last question we're gonna answer because according to my time, we have uh, two minutes. Um, this question is from Jess Jane again. Great job, Jess. Um, do you also feel betrayed that Harry became a wizard cop and not a teacher? He was such a good teacher. He was an incredibly good teacher. He yeah. would have been, he would have been, can you imagine him and Neville being, being teachers at Hogwarts together? Just sitting in the teacher's lounge drinking coffee. Oh my gosh. Oh no. I mean, it's just like, it's such an important part of Harry's journey because that's, you know, all we see is the things that are important to Harry's journey. Mm -hmm. uh, him learning to teach, right? Like yeah. he comes into his own when he um, starts teaching, when he starts like taking his his fellow students in and showing them how to do spells and, and showing them the way that the experiences that he's had that were maybe like scary and hard experiences translate into these really amazing confidence building lessons for all of his peers. And to imagine what it would be like for him to then take that a step further and, and as an adult get to communicate that to kids and maybe to like other kids who also have like kind of hard childhoods and maybe feel like they don't fit in, he would have been a great teacher. He really would. Yeah, that was a real, yeah. Listen, I know, I know J.K. Rowling wrote the books, but we all, we all make mistakes sometimes. Um, all right, it's 8.29. I yeah. mean, whatever time it is there, it's 8.29 on Saturday night. Hi, we know we're going to go, we're going to go wild later. <laughs> a friend of ours yeah. defended her dissertation. We're going to go celebrate with her. Yeah, really we got to go to a party. So um, we are gonna, we are gonna head out. So we're gonna say goodbye. Um, if you enjoyed any part of this, um, you can tweet at us at ohwitchplease, um, or you can find us at ohwitchplease.ca. Um, yeah, keep the tweets coming. We will respond to them, um, yeah. once we are, are offline, which should be any second now. This is a real pleasure. Thank you all so much for coming. It's really nice to see your beautiful faces. <laughs> Have a great, have a great rest of the Writers' Festival. Just gonna sit, just gonna sit here until somebody tells us we're off air. Okay. How's it going? <laughs> we don't know what to do. <laughs> just gonna set some water, you know. Those were fantastic questions. We loved answering those questions. It was really fun. It was all really fun. And afterwards we got in the cab and went to our friend Claire's defense party and it was just a really great day. All right. Time for one final. You ready? Are we going to do this next season? Who knows? Who knows? Who can predict the future? Okay, okay, ready? <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Try Witches Tournament! So, last episode... We asked you to tweet about some teachable moments. And guess what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nobody fucking did it. Not a single person. <laughs> Maybe it was too niche. Maybe we were thinking too much about our own lives where we are, in fact, literal teachers. Maybe, yeah, and like maybe you, maybe you needed a break from all of the intervening you did the previous fortnight. Yeah, yeah. and that's fine. You're all that's doing fine. a great job. Yeah, you're doing your best. We are all doing our best. Um, we're doing and our best. And so. 
uh, instead of specifically shouting out a uh, try witches moment, we're instead, speaking of doing our best, going to shout out um, somebody who actually just did the thing in the spirit of um, of our challenge and mm-hmm. uh, embraced a teachable moment. Yeah, we are shouting out Evelyn Callahan uh, at evcal184 on Twitter, um, who brought to light the way in which I, in particular, was talking about gender in the episode. Um, if you didn't hear the original audio, in following up on that teachable moment on Twitter, we edited it out so that um, we would not hurt people in the future. Mm-hmm. We want to sort of mention it here because... Uh... Evelyn did such a really great job of particularly of of intervening in a way that was really about saying like, hey, I see what you were trying to do here. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's a way in which you did not do the greatest job. And here is how you can do better in the future. Mm -hmm. And then when we sort of followed up with like, will you help us to make decisions about specifically how to act on this was very generous and um and helpful and encouraging um in all of the best ways that a teacher can be um Mm -hmm. in a way that that really sort of made helped make it possible for us to to very concretely respond to what they had pointed out and uh and to act on it in this particular case by by editing the episode and adding in a note about it um in the episode as well Mm -hmm. uh so Thank you so much, Evelyn, for for really modeling um, exactly what embracing those teachable moments can look like. Yeah, yeah, you did a great job, and we really appreciate it. It's a little strange to set a eight month try witches challenge, um, but we're gonna go ahead and do it anyway. We want to encourage people to to keep hanging out on that hashtag. You can certainly use it, you know, if you're like, not everybody listens to the episodes in real time. So if you're listening along later on and you just want to use the hashtag to name one of the challenges you did, like do it. We might have a hard time remembering precisely what combination of emojis we used to represent that particular (laughs) challenge, but you know. Maybe you'll get your own emoji combo. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, one can dream. Yeah, so so please do keep hanging out on the the try witches. That's T R Y, witches hashtag. And in particular, we'd love to hear from you about if you have any goals you'd like to set for the the next eight months until we mm-hmm. we start up season three, um, and just check in with us on uh, on how you're doing on those goals, whatever they are for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can be small and they can be big. They mm-hmm. can be medium. You get to decide. Mm-hmm. You're your own best boss. <laughs> Great. Okay, take it away, Todd. Which please, which please, make it make sense to me. Because a muggle in me just wants to know. Oh, oh. Which please, which please, make it make sense to me. Because a muggle in me just wants to know. But we both paused to wait for Todd. Go, read it, do it. Uh, okay, so um, this week's "Which Please Tell Me" comes from Brenda P or at Just Brenda P on Twitter. 
Brenda wants to know, do velas only affect hetero men? Do they affect gay men or women? Who does it affect? Yeah. Like, who is affected? Um, it's such an interesting question because it, it brings, uh, like, like when you put pressure on it, um, what it's asking us is, like, to what degree is magic um, something that reinforces social norms or mm. uh, subverts them, right? Mm-hmm. So is magic the kind of thing, like, does magic... Uh, fuck with our ideas of um, sexuality and sexual orientation. Um, does it, uh, you know, draw us out of ourselves or out of our sense of ourselves in that way? Or does it reinforce, does it basically just sort of um, shore up pre-existing social constructs? And mm-hmm. we sort of touched on this in the question about um, non-binary wicks in the Harry Potter world. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, why does the magic in the um, dorm rooms, what are they actually called? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know, sleeping quarters. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I can't why remember. Does the magic in Hogwarts. Dormitories. Yeah, in the dormitories, dormitories um, keep people out based on like what seems to be like um, their assigned gender. Mm-hmm. Though. Yeah, so, like, why would magic reinforce a social construct? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and can we imagine, imagine magic doing something else? Um, mm-hmm. So, like, what I'm trying to think of with the velas is, like, you know, what would be most interesting here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the reading of what velas do that would sort of open up the most interesting space to think about magic, right? Would it be more interesting to have velas just be attractive to everyone um would that sort of do something interesting in terms of like subverting the sort of heteronormativity of the way that they were represented in the books Mm -hmm. that also sort of takes consent out of the picture in a way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which is like not super interesting so i've hmm I wonder, so if we think about what we have textual evidence to prove, Ron is the only person in our main trio, even in the Weasley family, mm-hmm. who seems to be um, unable to control himself around Fleur. And so what I wonder is if we could think about it more in terms of the ways that people internalize certain patriarchal norms um, or certain patriarchal um, like presumptions about about gender and about in particular like beauty standards beauty norms mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I also I also wonder um, and I I don't know I can't if I ever knew I've forgotten where J.K. Rowling got the idea for Vila's um, mm. or like what mythology she's drawing on. But I also wonder if we might think about them like in a similar way to say sirens because mm-hmm. they seem to turn it on. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm remembering the fourth book, it seems that they like turn on the charm in a sense to um, distract people. Mm. And so if that is maybe something that Vila's do on purpose, um, but that still like 
that still makes Ron a bit of an outlier in the fact that all Fleur has to do is be around and he acts like a ding dong. And I wonder if that's less because she's part Vila and more because he's a ding dong. Ron is a ding dong and has like deeply screwed up um, misogynist ideas about like how to behave around women Mm -hmm. and like women not being real people. Um, and that yeah. kind of thing, I wonder. Yeah, and is also, like, a teenage boy trying to figure out how to, like, exist in a non-toxic way within heterosexuality. And, like, obviously mm-hmm. is going to need, like, a lot of help learning to navigate that because he's really bad at it in book mm-hmm. four. Um, yeah, like, I think what we see textually just sort of reinforces, like heterosexuality is really fucked up sometimes mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and doesn't really tell us much more than that there's i mean there's no textual evidence one way or the other to say like how do velas affect people we have no image mm-hmm. for example of somebody whose orientation is not to be attracted to women being attracted mm-hmm. to the velas I, yeah there's just something like what i'm thinking about right now is this episode of the um the podcast the thrilling adventure hour Mm-hmm. which is um this podcast now it it's not running anymore but it's like a hundred percent going back and listening to it's uh, a comedy podcast that did um sort of old-time radio style shows mm-hmm. um and they had different segments like different recurring stories that they did and one of those was called um beyond belief and it's this sort of like 1930s screwball comedy about this upper crust Manhattan couple um, who are also like mediums and defeat supernatural mm. enemies in every episode, but primarily mm-hmm. by um, like sassing them. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's just about them drinking martinis and being very unimpressed by everybody um, and being like desperately in love with each other. And there's an episode about um, succubi uh, mm-hmm. where this like the succubus shows up in their apartment and um, the nature of the succubus's magic is that they both immediately fall in love with the succubus. And mm. there's something just a little bit fun and sexy about the image of a magical creature that by the nature of their magic subverts normal ideas of sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Um, which is just like, it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. Succubus is just sexy and everybody wants them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I think that is sometimes in the right context, fun to think about. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That was a great question, Brenda. Thank you so much. It was fun to think about. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. Take us home. Which please. Oh, no. Wait. Oh, yes. Okay. 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 So... (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so as as you all know, the magnificent, marvelous Todd, our friend, our dear, dear friend, who wrote the Witch Please Tell Me theme song, uh, is a wonderful, marvelous human being. And Todd had the wonderful and marvelous idea <laughs> of opening up to listeners the option, should you be interested, to take which please tell me's theme song and remix it or play it in your own way or rewrite it or whatever 
um, sort of in the way that uh, that one season of Weeds or those few seasons of Weeds uh, have remixes and like covers of little boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if that is the thing that interests you, if you are a person who wants to make music and wants to remix the Witch Please Tell Me theme song or wants to cover it in your own style, we would encourage you to do that. Oh my God, and please do it. Please, please do it. I want it so badly. And get us the get us the file. We can think up options. If, uh, if you can't think of any on your own, get in touch with us. We'll like think of options of how to share it. We could do mm-hmm. that through Dropbox or even through Gmail if it's a small enough file. Um, but yes, please, mm-hmm. please mm-hmm. make your own remixes or covers oh of God, The Witch Please it. Tell Me theme song. Oh my God, do it. Please do it. Please do it. Oh. It'll be the best. I know for a fact many of you are musicians. Mm-hmm. God damn it, Emily Hoven! If you don't make us a cover <laughs> of the Witch Please Tell Me theme song, we're never speaking again. <sighs> okay. I look forward to those. It's, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Witch please, witch please, make it make sense to me. Because the muggle in me just wants to know. All right. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us for season two, the first season of Witch Please. (laughs) The rest of our episodes are, as always, available at ohwitchplease.ca. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or on whatever platform you enjoy getting your podcasts from. And don't forget to check out our merch at society6.com slash ohwitchplease. Or you can visit through the link on our website. Mm-hmm. Special thanks to everyone who donated to our GoFundMe. Thanks to your generosity and perfection, we've <laughs> reached our goal and thus absolutely, unequivocally promise that we will go to the wizarding world just as soon as we can coordinate our schedules. We are going to leave the GoFundMe open for now in case anyone super duper wants to chip in because every penny will go to offsetting the cost of that trip. So Mm -hmm. there's still time. If you uh, happen to inherit like Aunt Lillian's trillions, you (laughs) still have time. Trillions. (laughs) Send some of that sweet dough our way. Oh, that was good. Special thanks, as always, to Trevor Chowfraser, our erstwhile tech support and the robot of our hearts. Hi, how are you doing? I recently sent him a haranguing Facebook message about the fact that I don't have permissions to add plugins on our website. So he's really earning that thank you this week. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And special thanks to the Melbourne Writers Festival for inviting us to participate and for ensuring that Marcel and I could be in the same room. We're off now until season three, but we'll be back next summer with more episodes. Until then, we should say it together. Three, two, one. Later, Later witches. witches. Yes, that was not good. <laughs> mm, sorry. What did you say? I said that was not good. Oh, we can do it again. <laughs> Oh, okay. Later, witches. <laughs> okay, I'm going to count us in again. Okay. Ooh. Three, two, one. Later, Later witches. <laughs> no, I give up. Okay. Okay. <laughs>